on this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals, a little college basketball talk, and a lot of rookie running back talk. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Podcast, put on by your 3P, go with your gut, all I do is win, 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 no matter what, champion, and uh, numbers obsessed, spreadsheet loving, you can use my data for free cause I don't make you pay for it, nerd, to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener, who else is here? You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Day Wright. I'm pumped to be here, Todd. This might be our last show for a, a hot minute here. Got some exciting stuff going on personally here. And uh, it's, I think, I think, what the heck is that? I think one of our most favorite topics is college prospect talk. Excited to do this tonight. What a fitting way to do the show. Todd, I am pumped up for tonight. For my own sanity. I hope we record again soon. But with number two less than 40 hour, 48 hours away, that probably seems unrealistic. So, and by number two, he means child, not uh, bathroom bowel movement. Either way, uh, things are going to happen. You know, things are going to happen. So, yeah, uh, pretty stoked, man. Uh, ready. Can't wait. Brady Gronk still in the running for the child's name. Really hoping that pans out on uh, judgment at judgment time comes, but yeah, man, I uh, I'm excited. I'm revved up and ready to go. Love it, love it. Ready for the question of the day, my friend? Dude, I thought you never ask. In the spirit of March Madness, today's question of the day focuses on who is your favorite college basketball player of all time. Go for it, Dave. No, Todd. I'm sorry, sir. This is your topic. This is your Brett baby. You go, You do this. You do this first. All right. All right. So I am an avid, avid, avid basketball fan. My, I grew up loving UNC. All started as a little brother, annoying my big brother, who was a huge Fab Five guy. Then Jerry Sackhouse, Rasheed Wallace came in the scene. Boom. UNC guy for life from 1994. All right. My three favorite UNC players of all time are Ed Cota. Oh, I actually should clarify. I focused on guys that were not big in the NBA. I loved Vince Carter. Who didn't? All right. UNC, Ed Cota, Luke May, and Joe Forte, who was a bust with the Celtics, but I loved him when he was on UNC. Now, for non-UNC guys, my two favorite players from UMass, from when I was going there, my favorite player was Stefan Lazman when I was there, Chaz Williams, who played after I left, but he got us to the tournament, Scooney Penn, who was a point guard for Ohio State and BC, and Khalid Alameen, the roly-poly point guardy for UConn. And my least favorite players of all time are Grayson Allen, J.J. Redick, and Grayson Allen again. Because I have to say him again, because that guy is a douche. David? I'm going with Cindy Blodgett, nearest in Maine, legend. She came, she's from Maine. She won, I think she was a two-time first team 
all state and high school. She went on to play at the University of Maine in the mid 90s to the late 90s, and she averaged Todd over 25 points a game for her career, a like a average 48% career field goal shooter, mid like 35% from three points. She was a dominant shooter, Todd. She she did it all. She was led the nation. The fir- I think was one of the first times. I think it was the first time um, she led the nation four years in a row, all through college in NCAA Division One in scoring. Dominant. For, uh, she brought Maine to four America East titles, four NCAA appearances in a row. She went on to play in the WNBA. Went on to coach at UMaine. She actually is coaching locally in Pro, uh, in Lincoln, Rhode Island, right now. Just found that out doing a little research. But what she meant to people in Maine, Todd, at least kids my age, you know, I was I was probably fourth, fifth grade, such a huge fan. I was actually up in Maine and I found a poster that me and my sister made for her when we went to one of the games. She was unbelievable shooter, great person, unbelievable story coming from a, a small town in Maine. It led to the Maine State Championship. Just unbelievable player. WNBA, just super cool. Cindy Blodgett, absolute freaking legend. She's probably a top three main athlete of all time. I'm actually going to look her up now. I'm going to do a deep dive into this because you have fascinated me. (laughs) So do you want to hear my Ed Cota story? This is a good story. I think it's the second time you told this on our Ted Travis airways, but yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. I honestly don't remember the first time. So now I feel sheepish. (laughs) <laughs> but, um, all right, so essentially the NBA Rookie League uh, used to be in Boston, which Dave and I are from New England, right? When the rookies go to play, I would I would go all the time. It's like 10 bucks all day. Saw LeBron play his first NBA game. It was pretty cool. Ed was my all-time favorite player from college. And when he got his tryout as a rookie for the Pacers, I knew I was going to get a chance to meet him. So I just, like, sprinted at this dude to be like the first person to get to him. And I freaked him out because nobody else ran at him. Nobody. I was the only person there standing by myself with him. And I was going like full tilt at him because I was a (laughs) big fan and just kind of like stood there. And he like kind of like shied away at first because he did not expect anybody to come up to him. And I like, I, I came in hot. So (laughs) it was, it was interesting. And then uh, later on the train ride that day, uh, my friend and I recommended to Rudy Tomjanovich where he can get some quality chowder. It's great. And I tried to convince him to, uh, to draft Marvin Stone, which he did not. And it ended up being a really good move because Mar- Marvin Stone didn't do it. <laughs> wow. This is the most college basketball talk I've had in about five years, Todd. Uh, this was fun, but uh, I'm sorry. Fantasy. I'm so- buddy, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to start another podcast about this. Moving on. I actually heard, Todd, in the bracket, I think you're in due. Uh, Duchesne's underscore on Twitter. I think you're in his bracket. You were leading after the first weekend, I believe. I was, and now I'm not. So, <laughs> yeah, I did pretty well on after day two, and then it, it, they kept playing. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's all good. All right, so tonight's topic is rookie running back prospects. You know it. We love it. We're going to break down uh, the top five backs. Do a little tier talk, maybe talk about where some good landing spots are, and we're each going to throw in a sweeper tonight. But as always, let's break down the criteria of how we ranked our players. Dave, why don't you start with your criteria? So I don't get too nerdy with this. I don't have a model or anything. I just, I don't, I don't use a model when it comes to rookie running backs or anything like that. I, 
the more I research modeling, the more I find that uh, uh, it's really complicated to have a good one, and I just am not confident to get there yet. So what I'd like to do instead is to try to create these tropes or archetypes and then try to you know fit and bin players based on their collegiate career and their athleticism and probably eventually draft capital and how they're going to perform the NFL. Like, for example, the three down, like a, like a bell cow back or a third down specialist or career backup or uh, the one B in a, in a committee backfield. That's how I kind of, based on their college production, that's how I tr- break them down. And so I kind of have an idea of the type of player that I'm running back I'm drafting and how they're going to perform for fantasy purposes. So that's kind of how I do it. And I do it by, so, and the way that I, the, the categories I kind of, I look for are uh, age, volume, touchdowns, receiving ability, their size, their athleticism, and their efficiency their pro- for production in their college. That's kind of how I break it down. And it, I've been really successful breaking running backs down by those, those categories and assigning them based on how I think they're going to perform. So, this is what actually probably my strong suit when it comes to prospecting our rookie running back. So I'm excited to do this tonight, Todd. What's what's how do you get it done? I, I'm not much different. I just think I kind of like compartmentalize it a little bit differently. I actually find that my my process is probably even simpler than the way that you approach it. But uh, we still look at a lot of the same things, you know. Production, obviously, always top of me. Like, did you produce? Uh, but I really pay attention to scrimmage yards, not rushing yards, catches, and if they find the end zone. Uh, and obviously, a significant boost depending on your level of competition. Workload, yes, I would like a large share, but I'm not holding that as tightly as probably Dave does. Essentially, if you were the primary ball ca- carrier for the team, that's good enough for me to consider you somebody who's received a significant workload. Breakout, if you held a significant role as a true freshman, that's huge. If you were a workhorse, that skyrockets your value. If you broke into the share significantly in some sort of fashion, you get still get some points from me there, especially out of a power five. Receiving upside, pretty straightforward. Clear signal of a three down back. Speed, I like them fast. And then we're looking at agility and broken tackles. This goes kind of hand in hand for me because I don't care if they miss or you're trucking them. If they ain't tackling you, they ain't tackling. And with that said, I do value misses more over broke but broken tackles but at this stage in my process it's not something that i'm like really perseverating on when it comes to like breaking it down it might like have like two guys neck and neck and it might be the difference of like whether i put one guy over the other but like i said it's a sixth step in my process that's like the, the six main things i i really focus on with that and it breaks down to like you know numbers what i've seen in film i mean i i play c2c so like i've you know i've grown into watching these guys so like those are the six main things for I have similar feelings about the broken tackle thing, man. I don't want them, you know, it's all, it's a lot easier to shed collegiate tacklers than it is to shed NFL tacklers. So I think I, I, not that it isn't important and not that collegiate players can't be successful in NFL breaking tackles. I want them to be able to win in multiple ways. So yeah. And the type of player, like I'd want to be able to see a player with some, if you're primarily breaking tackles, right? What's your situation with lateral movement? Because a lot of like guys, and like my sweeper I'll talk about, they'll make a lateral move, and then they can break a tackle after the lateral move. I'm talking, if you're as long as you're not like a straight line, I'm just going to truck over everybody. I'm running like Stone Cold Steve Austin in like the longest yard. Like, I'm cool with it. But obviously, the guys that are insanely agile are typically also speed. 
which was higher in my process. Yeah, I agree with you, though. All right, first guy we get into is the Brees Hall. He was my RB1. Dave, was he your RB? 1,000% my RB1. I don't know. I wouldn't say that. He. Let's just say I'm very excited about Brees Hall, Todd. Now, do you remember me telling you how good he was going to be like two years ago? Yes. Okay, thank you. Just wanted that credit. You're like, oh, I don't know. Wait till I go to my, my database. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That was a pretty solid impression of your voice, by the way. Yeah, solid, spot on. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm actually going to let you read my notes for the rest of the show, okay? Mm. <laughs> Metrics. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> Subscribe. Uh, <laughs> no, he's absolutely the one-on-one in this class, dude. And he's also, like, easily the number one back. And like I said, like this is the guy that I said last year to you, it would have been in the same tier as Najee, Etienne, Javante, if he came out last year. Well, now for me, I gave this some thought. He He's in a tier of his own due to the unreal production over the last three years, essentially. He's had great production for three years. The receiving upside is there. The explosiveness. And then you just top it off with those unreal combine numbers. And I was stuck on whether Walker and Spiller were in the same tier as him, but those combine numbers were just enough to push me ahead of the pack. He's a workhorse. He's a game breaker. You got the elite speed. You got the agility. You got the unbelievable production over three seasons. He's a solid receiver. He literally checks every single box that we just talked about before this. He is the 101 in any format. If you're not taking one 101, you should be trading the pick. Thoughts, David? Yeah, I don't even really want to add too much because we're just going to be pairing each other here. He's got the size. Sometimes I get a kick on when people are surprised by a player's athleticism from the combine because when I looked at his stats before the combine, I'm like, this guy feels like he's a very good athlete. I mean, he's at Iowa State, which is not a powerhouse with a ton of NFL talent surrounding him, not known for an amazing offensive line. I know Dave Montgomery comes from there and they have a couple, you know, some NFL talent history wise, but. That offense was put on his back. Everyone knew he was getting the ball. And yeah, he didn't look like he was this super majestic runner who just oozed these film traits. But he, at the end of the day, like 20 touchdowns, Todd's twice. Three seasons over 20 receptions, including 36 his final uh, season. Man, the athleticism, he was super efficient, you know, can make breakaway runs, 28% juke rate, you know, evaded tackles per touch. Not only does he can he win with big plays, he can make players miss and gain those extra yards, and he carried a big workload over 20 attempts, I think two for two seasons in a row. I do not understand, Todd, the criticism of, of Brees Hall because, honestly, his production profile without knowing and then looking at his athleticism and probably where he's going to go in the draft, he ends up in the Jonathan Taylor, Saquon, Barkley pantheon of the recent draft picks for me. Now, I don't think he is... Saquon or he's Jonathan Taylor, but that's just how good of a production profile and resume that he's put up. What he has done in college is impressive, and that is why he's the one on one for me. I actually thought I'll go as far as saying I think he's an early second round startup pick in Superflix right now. That's how good he is. Now I draft capital say if he slides to the mid second or something like that, but he is that good. He's definitely in a different tier than the other running backs for me in this class, and he is there's no way I'm taking Malik Willis over him just because running backs get ugly very quick in dynasty. I know quarterbacks are extremely valuable, but 
what what a running back like Brees Hall can change a dynasty roster. That's how good he is. Jonathan Taylor changed dynasty rosters. That's why I think the type of talent we're we're going to be talking about here. I don't disagree with it at all. And I it's actually funny, David. I think you're going to say this for the next two years in rookie drafts with two more players. Stay tuned for those in a year. Yes, I know some of those names. I I would hope so. It, it's incredible. Yeah, I I echo like he he's by far in a tier of his own. And it's not the fact that, like, the other two guys that we're going to talk about next aren't going to be excellent prospects for being productive in the NFL. It's just that he's just a class above all. I've been getting really deep in the mocks and just, like, really enjoying myself with that. I felt like the best-case scenario from draft capital standpoint for Brees Hall would have been, like, mid-first to uh, Philly or at, like, 19 would be the peak for me. But uh, the Cardinals at, or Bills at the 23-25 spark seems a little bit more sensible for uh, those. If someone believes in him, as and fair enough that they do, and wants to pay up for that level of LB, of RB talent, I that makes the most sense. Worst case scenario is he's not getting out of the second round. End of the second round, which would be insane value for him. But I actually mocked him at uh, pick 55 to the Cardinals this weekend. And I think the reason why he slips it has nothing to do with his talent. It has to do with the lack of teams needing to draft it back that high and how this draft is very deep defensively. And I think people are going to be looking for those more top-end defenders first. So I think some of these these running backs are all going to slip. I'm ple- I don't want... Come on. I, do we have to have him with James Conner, Todd? Do we have to? That's fine. I mean, it just makes sense. <laughs> James, James Conner can just... Take his goal line touches for a year, and then, like, we'll all buy in low. It's great. But, yeah, no, man, I mean, I get it. I, 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 hope, I, I hope and I hope not that he's on the Bills. From a fantasy standpoint, that's pretty spicy. From a Patriots fan standpoint, I would hate it. So, oh, I, I'm torn on that one. I would love it as a Patriots fan because I would say, hey, Bill, you drafted Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. They're fine, but... This is what a real running back looks like. Oh wow! Look at look at you, the man who talks about running backs, Mister Replaceable. <laughs> Never thought I'd see the day. All right, RB two. Oh oh, you come on, Mister. Uh, not you, but Bill Sony Michelle in the first round over Nick Chubb. Get the god. <laughs> remember, remember when they didn't take Sergio Kindle and I lost my mind when yes. I we first watched the draft, and I was like, "Who's Devin McCourty?" Um, <laughs> that was great. So, all right, RB two, Kenny Walker, baby. Dave, why don't you start off with uh, Kenneth Walker for us? So he's got the good size, Todd. He's more of that bowling ball, I think. If you want to disguise him, he's five nine, two eleven, and a twenty young twenty one year old. Which you know, those are automatically check marks for me. I haven't said in a while, Todd, but over thirty BMI. I haven't had BMI talking a bit. I'd like to see it. Not not the end all be all, but love seeing that over thirty BMI for running back. Now his final care his final year, Todd, he carried the rock over twenty two times per game. And and the year before that, people want to make it seem like he had one year and done. Because you know, he went to Wake Forest for two years and then he transferred to Michigan State in the Big Ten. And the criticism is, you know, he was only had one year wonder. And that's not necessarily the case. He still had seventeen carries per game for Wake Forest in that in his sophomore season. Now that was a COVID shortened season. If I remember correctly, so the raw numbers don't look that great. But then you look at a percentage of the offense, and you know on a per game basis, a lot better. Was over 17 yards per game is or 17 carries per game is not nothing to just see that not great, mind you, but it's still solid. 
Now, he did only see 31% of his team rush attempts that season as that sophomore, but he then went on to have 55% of Michigan State's uh, rush attempts in that junior season where he had 147 scrim yards per game, which was just that is dominant. And he did it in a way where he he made people miss. He made big plays. Now, he didn't catch the ball like Brees Hall does. I think that's what really separates Brees Hall from Kenneth Walker and also, you know, to and some product like Brees Hall had more production for longer. But now, now, Todd, I went back a little bit. I saw someone tweeted Kenneth Walker did have uh, 60 receptions in high school. So he did catch the ball in high school. Seems like he just wasn't used that way in college. I'm not going to say that I expect him to be a, you know, a three down weapon and, and a pass catching extraordinaire. But I don't see why he couldn't have AJ Dillon type passing upside or pass catching upside. And uh, what also what I haven't mentioned yet, Todd, is the touchdowns. Thirteen touchdowns in that sophomore season, which also I think gets overlooked a little bit, and then eighteen in his final season with Michigan State, and then also the only nineteen catches for career, which is the big ding here. But then the four three eight forty time and a, a big broad jump. Not a little weak on the on the vertical, but still very deep, very good athleticism. And I think he checked a lot of boxes. It's a lot of questions. I really like Kenneth Walker, Todd. What, what about what about you, man? Well, uh, so I was like very out on him when he was like really, really popular as a sweeper pick when he was at Wake Forest. Honestly, the reason I was at, off him, I'm like, he goes to Wake Forest. So <laughs> I was just like, it was like a program bias. Todd scouts off the helmet. He's a big helmet scouter. I just don't find people to be successful out of Wake Forest. They just, they don't really produce a lot of pros and they don't really produce in college for me. So when he went to uh, Michigan State, it was intriguing and he didn't really know what to think because that's a pretty big like, and then he just showed why he's an elite running tower. And uh, and it's clear that the receiving upside isn't there to the, you know, compared to the other two guys around him, though he's probably the Nick Chubb of the class. He is built like a workhorse, and this has been one of the easiest comps of my entire life. He is literally Nick Chubb. If you want to see his ceiling, watch his game against Michigan on October 30th. And Michigan's clearly a good team. 197 yards for five TDs. Three of those TDs were over 20 yards, including a 52-yard dash. He's a one crease into the crease, and he's just gone. And if you get in his way, he's built to be able to go through you. And he's not super shifty, but he's got enough lateral movement, and he's very decisive in the way that he runs. And his legs are always moving, so he's difficult to take down, and he's always kind of like accelerating. And he's not going to dance around, so he's always going to head to the spot and make something happen with his power. And he's got outstanding balance and elite vision that he really turns a lot of situations that don't seem like anything into something. And wherever he ends up, he's definitely your goal line back, so you're not going to get him vultured by for any TDs. By far the best pure runner in this draft is Kenneth Walker. Now, Brees Hall is at the same level of talent with the receiving upside, right? But Kenneth Walker is the same level of runner when it comes to that. It's the differences in receiving upside that gets him a whole different tier. I freaking love Kenneth Walker, Dave. Love him. Yeah, we're about to enter a, a draft together, so that's great to hear. Now, so where does he kind of, he falls for me, Todd? I think he's he is already in my top 12 for dynasty running backs. That's where I am right now, even without knowing his draft capital and landing spot. Uh, that's just how the running backs are for me. You know, I'm an ageist, 21 years old, has stars in my eyes. And Todd, you know I'm a snob for pass catching running backs. An absolute snob. But Kenneth Walker yep. has 
really, and I went in biased again. I went in thinking, yeah, no, we, 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 like you, always Wake Forest, didn't do much of Wake Forest. He needed to transfer. And now transfer rules are a little bit different now, and it's a lot easier for kids to transfer. So I got to get more in that mindset. Still, I went in wanting not to like him and thinking that people were like, come on, are you serious? But seeing this, the, the type of profile, what he's going to probably be, how he's going to be used in the NFL, I think he's going to be a very valuable fan, running back asset for redraft and for dynasty teams. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I, I don't have where I would place him in my rankings yet. I just can't really get on board with that thinking until I see where people land. All right. Best case scenario, pretty much the same as Hall. Same teams I said. I said worst case, pretty much the same as Hall. I actually mocked him at pick 60 to the Buccaneers this weekend. And in all fairness, I could see Walker going before Hall, which I personally think would be silly. But, you know, as the Nick Chubb of this class, maybe it happened, you know? But, um, yeah, big fan of Kenneth Walker. I think you're what you're going to see here, Todd, I think for more traditional NFL offenses, and they see how he runs, I think that could be the appeal. He's like that traditional NFL runner. Right. But I, I think it just depends. And honestly, I'm much rather have him land in that team that values that more than have Brees Hall try to pigeonhole. And I hear what you're saying. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. But I, I come on. I want the NFL to give Brees the respect he deserves. I totally agree. I'm just saying like it wouldn't surprise. All right. Now, the next back we're talking about is probably my favorite value back because he's definitely number three, but he's extremely talented, and that's Isaiah Spiller. You want to kick off Isaiah Spiller, Dave? Sure, Todd. Uh, now, he's also 20. What I love about this is the top running backs from this class, they're all coming in young, three years of college, and you know we don't have to deal with them coming out at 23, 24 years old. And they're going to, we're going to get the prime of that career and really enjoy the the early parts of their success in the NFL. So that's what I like to see from Spiller at 21 years old, decent size, 217 pounds, just over six feet. The thing with Spiller that jumps off the page is one, he's an SEC back. He did well in the SEC. I know people love that. The NFL loves that. So I want to say that he's doing what he did and produced at the in the SEC at an early age, which does say something. So that's the first thing. Now. From the other two backs, Todd, he has a little bit more warts from production profile, if you ask me. He does not get the same raw, vo- like from a raw volume standpoint, he his best season, which was a sophomore season from a volume standpoint, was just under 19 rush attempts per game. When we're talking about Brees Hall and uh, Kenneth Walker getting well over 20 touches a game, that that's, that's something like he didn't necessarily just demonstrate that workhorse carry the rock a ton in college. Now, Texas AM does doesn't run the ball as much, so you, you might not see the raw volume stats, but even from a market share, he only had 42% of his uh, team rush attempts. So that it's tough to really say from a volume standpoint to get too excited. But that being said, Todd, still decent pr- production or, or like volume wise, but his pass catching, Todd, is where he really stands out. Three seasons over 20, I'm trying to get to here, three seasons over 20 receptions. Uh, actually, all all three of his years over twenty receptions, and two of those over twenty five. So I think while he might not be the you know the eighty percent opportunity share guy, he definitely will have some decent weighted opportunity scores because he's going to have those targets because uh, he, he can catch that ball. So 
And the other, actually, uh, one other Wart Todd doesn't have a ton of TD numbers. He maxed out at 10 rushing touchdown as a freshman. Now that still was over, you know, there's still 40% over his, his team's rushing touchdowns. Just, you know, we're talking about Brees Hall over 20 touchdowns, Kenneth Walker over 18, and not quite the nose for the end zone there for Isaiah Spiller there. And also to the last thing, Todd, people are going to say, well, also to first, he can also make people miss. He he has a, not the same level of breakaway ability that the first two running backs have, but he can make a break a big play now and then again. But the big other wart that I haven't talked about really is people are going to criticize his athleticism, his top end speed. Uh, I think his pro day was a four six three, if I remember correctly, Todd. I haven't put it in my database. So that's only what I've heard. People are going to really ding him for that. That is not a death knell. Four six three is totally capable. Ramondre Stevenson, Todd. I know a, a higher size here or a higher, a bigger, like a bigger body, more weight, ran a four six eight or whatever it was. But I, I still think people are going to overreact to four six three. But it it's still doable. He's still, I think, a very good prospect. Thoughts on Isaiah Spiller? I, I'm a I'm a big Spiller fan. Uh, there's a lot. There was a lot of Spiller truthers in the C two C community that felt he could have been the best back in this class heading into the college season. And for me, it wasn't a crazy statement as I had him firmly as my number two behind Hall before like Walker showed what he was fully capable of. And he's clearly my RB3. Then we got a tear break, all right? So to give some context to his rush share, they had a lightning quick back also at Texas A&M. Devin Achain was clearly more efficient and productive than Spiller last year too. Achain is like a perfect buy candidate in C2C. So if you're a C2C person, you're looking at an elite talent who is not viewed as an elite talent. So he's definitely a trade target, except for Levi. Don't trade for him. Dave pointed out about Munn, Aeneas Smith was still kicking around as a running back at that point too during Spiller's sophomore year. And like I said about a chain, he was getting some burn to see if they could utilize him. So I get some of the concerns that go on with the share. That's just the way that the AM and offense was and with the personnel. But he was the primary ball candidate since he was a true freshman. That's the key. Since he was a true freshman, he led that backfield. And that's where I don't share the same of those concerns. That piece right there where he was productive coming right out of high school in a major conference and a major program. That's impressive. With that said, I, I, I get the idea with the concerns, but like as him being the, the, the primary uh, ball carrier, the reason why he was able to be so successful is, is the way that he runs. He's an advanced runner. He's patient, sets up his blocks. You know, he lets things develop, and then he's very decisive to be able to get into his spot. And then he has, he does have top end speed. I'm sorry. I don't care about the 40 time. Sometimes a guy will run a bad 40. I believe in what my eyes have seen when I watch him play. Excellent contact balance. Excellent power. He's very difficult to bring down on first contact, especially when he's going at that level of speed. So as Dave expressed also, he's a capable receiver over his career. And I'm not saying you're, you're getting an Alvin Kamara here. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that he's got the makings of a guy who could be a three down back. Now, best case scenario, early second round would be the highest I see Spiller going. I have a hard time seeing him getting drafted over Hall or Walker, too. So my peak for him would have been Atlanta at 43. Uh, if other teams spend up on Hall and Walker, and Atlanta really feels like they want to get him in there. And I understand about Patterson. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife guy. Just because they put him in doesn't mean they can do a little committee thing and play Patterson in other places. Um, he's a surefire early third, though, for me. And I have him mocked to the Texans at 68 as the fourth pick of the third round. Todd, side note here. 
isn't it weird how or do you I'm not sure if you feel the same way. I'm not excited. I think there's a huge drop off in dynasty for, at the running back position. I'm not really thrilled about the running back position in the NFL right now. I I'm excited for the new talent to start the young rookies to start to enter the NFL over the next couple of years. But then we start talking about run, landing spots and I'm like that's not a very exciting landing spot. It's weird that I'm not really excited about the running backs that are in the NFL, but then I'm not also crazy about the landing spots either. It's a very odd situation. Yeah, I think the big thing when it comes to landing spots with uh, these three guys is I really need to see like what offenses are going to get attached to. Um, the draft capital is going to mean a lot to me. Tell me whether they believe in them or not. And then the other thing too is that like who's ahead of them in like contracts. So like if one of these guys ended up on Dallas, to me that's not a terrible spot because Zeke's going to have a significant opportunity to get the hell out of there and then save some money, and Pollard's going to be a free agent. And then if both those guys move on and one of these guys ends up being the primary guy, boom, you got a good situation. Just got to wait a year. Am I saying that's ideal? No, of course not. I'm saying that it's just a very muddied waters right now when it comes to the running back piece for who would be like viable for somebody who needs someone. Yeah, I mean, I, I really got to see how things shake out. I just believe in the talent in these top three. And that that's pretty much where it went. I'm looking at my rankings right now, Todd, my tiers, and I had him originally without knowing his athleticism and without knowing his draft capital. I had him right after Kenneth Walker. He's my RB 13 in Dynasty. I think I'm going to end up moving him down a tier either to the top of like above Elijah Mitchell and my so down two tiers to be the the start of that tier or mix him somewhere in my Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry tier. I haven't decided yet. How high do you have Elijah Mitchell? He's my RB... Let's see my RB20. Okay. Okay. So he'd All be right. my RB19. Like, so he'd be my, like, a move Isaiah Spiller to my RB19. Like, that's what he would be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Again, I, I just, I'm not doing my rookie running backs ranked. I really need to see capital landing spot for that before, because talent wise, I could totally see Walker and, and Hall being top 12 options and Spiller being like a top. 15 option but there, it's just such muddy waters right now man like i i just really got to see what shakes out gut reaction todd you want the dalvin cook the alvin kamaras or do you want isaiah spiller i'll take the studs that are established okay i'm i'm there i think i'm there too yeah all right now now we get into the question max rashad white davy how do you feel about him i'm pretty I'm pretty bullish on Rashad White, Todd. Now he's now this is where we get into. He's gonna be a little bit old, one of the older running backs. He's 23 years old. I can't dig him for it totally, Todd, because this is something where I've grown in my process, or at least I think I've grown. Maybe I've just changed my process. I'll call it growth, though. And <laughs> he took a, a different a, a approach to get the NFL. He had to go through the JUCO ranks, and that's any you know a, le- a lesser program. I think is Arizona State. So he's entering a little bit older. However, that being said. Good size, six, you know, six feet, 214 pounds. Now, this is where we, there's a teardrop for me from the first three we're talking about to Rashad White because his volume in college was he had one season with only 16.5 rush attempts per game. uh, And that was his final season. Now, he still managed to get 90 rush yards per game because he was pretty efficient while running the ball. And he scored a decent amount of touchdowns, 11 rushing touchdowns that year, but still definitely not the same type of production that we've talked about with the other running backs here, but the, what really, really jumps out for Rashad white Todd is that he had 43 receptions for 456 yards in that final season. And 
you know, a decent breakaway percentage, you know, 31%. So he's a little bit more of a, not a ton of big plays as a runner, but he does have a little bit more dynamic. He uses that size when he's out in space and he has decent, you know, 25% uh, career juke rate, which is solid and re- very respectable, adequate rusher, makes people miss, miss. I do hear that he runs a bit more upright and than some of the other running backs we've talked about, but I'm not, that's just what I've heard. What really sealed the deal for me though, Todd is making my RB, you know, there's a lot of concerns like, oh, you know, he's coming for a different prospect, the Juco, older, and kind of a weirder pro, not weirder profile, but not the same type of profile we'd like to see from the fourth best running back in the class. However, he came in with a 448, 40, 38 inch vertical and 125 inch broad jump. So he's extremely athletic for his size. And I think that combined with his pass catching, I think he's going to catch the eye of the NFL. I really hope he goes in the third round. I, d- I would love for him to go the second round, but I think he's going to be a third round guy and he's going to be my RB4. He, I am, I am pretty bullish on him, Todd. I think he's a, he is just out. No, he is my, yeah, he's my, uh, he's inside my top 24 running backs in Dynasty right now. Yeah. So, so for me, like, he's a guy who's getting hyped as like a value pick uh, for upcoming drafts. Uh, jo- like you said, Joe, you know, junior college transfer flashed the potential in the COVID shortened season. When he split a, a backfill with uh, Demonte Trainum, who was interesting enough transferred to Ohio State to play linebacker, then he exploded his senior year for 16 touchdowns, 1400 uh, scrimmage yards, put it up against Jalen Daniels, who had 710 rushing yards and six receiving touchdowns. That makes those numbers even more impressive because they had a very mobile QB there too. So his receiving ability is clearly the most attractive part of his profile, and that makes him a three-down candidate. You got size, you got production in two years, even though one was with a very limited sample size. Athletic, good receiver. He checks all those boxes that you want to check off. And now draft capital will speak here for me. But I don't think he gets better than like high third round capital makes him like, for me at best, like a late, maybe mid-second for uh, rookie drafts for me. And yeah, I I think like people get like super excited about him. But I also think it's more the depth of the position that like I feel kind of inflates the hype around him. Best case scenario, uh, I think he's been of a stretch as a pick in the mid-second of the NFL draft, but it's definitely in the realm of possibility. So maybe the Eagles at 51, Cardinals at 55, Bills at 57, or Tampa at 60 could make some sense. Uh, I think worst case scenario is that he falls into the fourth round, which I, which then would probably push him into the third round of rookie drafts, and he'd be excellent value. Uh, kind of like a Kenny Gainwell's kind of situation we got going on there. But there's lots of wide receivers pre-draft that I'd rather have than white. and uh, But that's when I said the capital will talk at that. So, like, my best guess for him would be, like, a mid-round, a mid-third-round pick to a QB needy team that missed out on Hall, Spiller, and Walker. And I actually have him mocked at pick 82 to Atlanta. I don't hate that. Yeah. So that would be where I have him mocked out to, like, a man uh, Atlanta, ugh, Atlanta landing him in the middle of the third round. Uh, Rashad White, Todd, I, I was actually, he's my RB24, actually not 23, but uh, what I think what really stands out for me, when you're talking about maybe falling to the third round of rookie drafts, Todd, he, right now for me, I have a 201 in a couple spots. I have a hard time me not seeing me not take Rashad White at 201. That's where I am right now. I, like me, I guess maybe a, a, the, if the quarterbacks get some better draft capital, he might 202, 203, but he is looking mighty juicy at the 201 in the several spots because I, I, this is what, this is what I do. I get my running backs in rookie drafts. So that's why Rashad White is a target for me. Fair enough. I, I actually like the value of the rookie class because everyone's dismissing it. 
we'll we'll see. I I don't. These QBs do not need to be first round picks for me to get excited. It gets me more excited, but I still get excited for the second round. I like right. an excited Tifo. I like an excited Tifo. <laughs> yeah, it gets funny. It's loud. All right. So, all right. Our fifth guy and final major prospect is Zamir White. So, I'm going to kick this guy off. All right. He's a very good running back, but not a great running back. He plays very physical, but too physical as he'd rather punish defenses than get by them. He's actually got decent agility, but I swear this guy makes people miss only to find another guy to run into at full force. Um, strong, good athlete, but there's a reason he was part of a committee as a backfield. Yes, Georgia's stacked at running back, but he never really broke away with that. He's not super dynamic, and he's more of a grinder, plain and simple for me. He projects as like a, a potential early two uh, down back, but our teams are paying up for a two down back, man. And he's not going to get that early opportunity to be the grinder, whoever drafts him. And let's not forget that this guy tore both a, uh, ACLs while in Georgia. I mean, White has the tools to take advantage of a situation to be the lead back. I'm just not convinced that he gets the opportunity. He's still at the bottom of my third tier, though. He probably could be in a tier four of his own. But I also view him exactly as White for like his bids to worst-case scenario. But I also think I could possibly see Zamir slipping all the way to the fifth round. Totally. Right now, I have him mocked at 89 to uh, the Buffalo Bills, which I think would be a not would be like a dream spot for him. But yeah, I I could totally see that going all the way back to the fifth. So, what are some of your thoughts you've seen about Zamir? So, real quick, old older running back again, 23 years old. He'll be actually 23 years old. He's 22, but he'll be 23 years old. Week two of the NFL season. Good good size again, six feet two fourteen. He had the very good testing numbers at four four zero at that size and the 128-inch broad jump. So he feels like he tested as an explosive athlete, so maybe that can quell people's ACL concerns, Todd. However, all right, so now this is where it's going to get to the Georgia thing because I think you, you didn't really t- – I think everyone knows that Georgia, their, their recruiting pitch is that they will not use you and abuse you. You're going to have the good offensive line. They're going to use you. They have a nice running system, make you look good for the NFL, and you're going to get drafted. You know, they build on that that they're not going to overuse you. That's the recruiting pitch. And so you have to take that into account. And that being said, Todd, average 60 scrimmage yards per game for his career. That is not very impressive. I'm not, that's not very impressive for me, regardless of what university he played at. And people want to keep talking about the previous backs coming out of Georgia. They want to just scout from because of the, the helmet and the program. And I'm sorry, what Zamir White had to deal with for competition levels was not what DeAndre Swift, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb had to deal with. Nick Chubb went over to have multiple over well over a thousand yards rushing on very on not a ton of carries. Sony Michelle had an impressive resume as well with Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift in the same backfield. Samir White had one season of one season of DeAndre Swift. And and I know that Kendall Milton was a huge name, Todd, coming in. I'm not seeing the work at all. And I'm sorry if James Cook is really cutting into your workload. I'm sorry, I'm just not that excited. I'm more excited. I'm more, I'll give you, I'll, yeah. If De- Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift are, are sharing cares with them, I understand it, but that is not what Zamir White had to do. Not as impressive. I'm not going to give him, I'm going to still discount a little bit because that's how Georgia does running backs, but stop with the saying like, oh, well, this is what happened with the history. Look at the history of Georgia. No, it is, it is not an apples to apples comparison at all. Zamir White is nowhere near that. 
He's a grinder, like you said. He's a plotter. He might have some big games for you and some spot starts. Might work his way for a three or four game stretch in his career, four or five game stretch where he's, but I do not see consistent, reliable season in, season out success from Zamir White. I do not see it. And you could say the exact same thing about James Cook, who's not that far behind him. That's where you're just straight up helmet hunting. And like from watching Zamir, I've seen the flashes of what he could be, but he just never put it all together and could stay healthy. And like, I swear that like he hits up like a hole so hard and fast, but just literally just wants to just get downhill and just like slam in. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reasons that's always kept him back is that he doesn't have great vision either. He's not really trying to bounce a lot of stuff. Just to say he's got the four, four speed. Well then where the hell were the breakaway runs? He has 20 breakaway runs for his career. What the heck? That's what I'm telling you. He doesn't try to break away from guys. He tries to run through them and he doesn't do it every time. So, I mean, that's the point. It's That's the part that concerns me. It, it, like, I actually like watching him play, but I'm not super high on him as a prospect. Um, very, very fun to watch, Todd. I, I watched the national champ- part of the National Championship game. Fun to watch to that kind yeah. of style of run. But that is not going to succeed for fantasy in the NFL level. I'm sorry, I don't see it. I could be wrong, and I'll nope. take the loss on Zamir White, the guy with the VACL injuries, no pass get, like. What, 13 career catches, I think, Todd? 17 career receptions in college. pretty much. 17 career receptions, not a ton of breakaway ability, and doesn't make guys miss, really. Fun, fun player. Not not that I'm not going to root for him, because I actually, I really like Georgia as as a program. I like to root for Georgia, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't, he's fun to watch, but that's, I think, I don't, I I feel like, I I don't usually get this negative on players, and I do not see it. Yeah, all right. I officially have knocked him down. I he's not in the same tier as Richard. He's not. He's in a tier. Um, Richard's in a tier of his own. It's tier. So Zamir, you can head uh, tier four with uh, Kyron to our yeah. All right, sleepers. All right, David, would you like to go first or second? I'll go second here, Todd. My guy is Keontae Ingram. Uh, one of my early C two C value picks. He was never a workhorse, but he was a hell of a good back on two programs. Size. Check six feet two twenty one due to load, but still ran a solid four five three forty, which people say all the time on the C two C committee that he wasn't fast, and I just go, you are just looking at his numbers. If you watch him play, he's clearly fast. I I freak- hear that huh? all the time, Todd. I hear that all the time. It's yeah. maddening. Freaking loved this guy at Texas, man. Loved him. He was aggressive with this nasty mentality, but he was pretty shifty for a bigger back with plenty of speed to go with it. And Dave, he's got hands, man. This dude is a very good receiver out of the backfield. Granted, in Texas, it's a lot of swings and dumps and stuff like that, but he also ran some outs and, like, the, he's got nice, strong hands. Like, he'll catch it, like, on the, like, he'll catch it while taking a hit. The guy made a smart decision. He transferred. Once BJ got there, and BJ is a tra- it's a generational talent. Like he, it was it was the right move to leave there, right? And so yeah, he's more of a downhill runner. We can make a quick cut when somebody appears because his vision is great, and he's just kind of barreling ahead. But he does have shift, and he could be like taught. So he's big, he's versatile, he's pretty fast, and he will be dirt cheap. All right, I'm guessing he's going to be picked in the fourth, fifth round. So. That means you're probably going to get him at the end of the third, 
probably beginning of the fourth. And I don't see him even going that high in some. But I just think that's incorrect. Like, he, if he makes it past the fifth round, like, I'm just shocked. Clearly some of the best spots, Buffalo, Arizona, Tampa that we talked about. But there's another guy that is a bit of a stash, right? I love him in Seattle. I love him in Chicago. Those are two spots that I love him in. Because he's a guy who's going to have to prove himself. And I think if he gets the opportunity to find a chance to get onto the field and prove himself, he will. Todd, I'm happy you picked him. This is who I would pick as a sleeper. Keontae Ingram is bigger back than Zamir White. People get freaking horny for Zamir White. But Keontae Ingram, better runner, better size, can catch the ball. I'm sorry. Better better numbers. Better yeah. numbers. At two With better competition. <laughs> yeah. At two major programs. Uh uh, now it'll be quick. I'm I have a feeling like the NFL might like Zamir White more than Count Ingram, but uh, I like Count Ingram as well, Todd. He I think I got him in a fourth round of several mock drafts. I really like me some Count Ingram, and I'm and let me say this: I am a thousand percent okay with missing on players like Count Ingram, or like or like like if he doesn't work out, okay, sue me. You know, he, I think he could be the one B in a committee, and maybe have a couple stretches where he could be successful, totally cool with drafting him and missing than I am on and then and drafting Zamir White. A thousand percent, I'll, I'll put my chips in on Count Ingram than a, than a prototype uh, like or an archetype like Zamir White. I love it, baby. I love it. All right, who's your sleeper? Someone that think people should be getting more excited for than Zamir White. Also, Brian Robinson from a big time program. I'll say he had better competition than freaking Zamir White did. I'll say that. Yes. And he found he always found touches. He always found touches. Mm-hmm. Playing with I'm not like gonna, elite talent. I'm actually not going to really go through the stats too much with with uh, Brian Robinson. I'm just going to say he really only saw he had that explosion in I think really two years Todd's of production, but in that final year he really stood out where he saw uh, he he demonstrated he can handle the workload. He a lot of carries didn't wasn't incredibly efficient, but he gained yards. He got what was got for him. Created a little bit extra of. And he also caught the ball. I think he had over 30 receptions or something like that. Top of my head. So you're telling me that a guy from a the blue chip of blue chip programs where people who don't even have anywhere near the production that Brian Robinson did at, at Alabama get drafted. You're telling me that that this guy is just being, I think he's being slept on, not being talked about, at least from what I'm listening to, Todd. And I don't I don't know why, because he's going to be get the respect from the, the brand, the, the helmet. From and the program, the program pe- pedigree. He did it on the major, the big stage in the SEC, and I know he's running behind some premier run blocking and all that stuff, blah blah blah. But he, I'm, he is an NFL running back. He's got the size, adequate athleticism. He is, uh, he's going the third round of drafts. Love seeing him getting the third round of drafts. I, he is a, it's not sexy. I don't think he's gonna. He's not a. People want players that are gonna win their leagues. Todd, a lot of my teams, Todd, where I'm going Uber wide receiver heavy i have a, a lot invested in wide receiver and quarterback and tight end and i want to string together running backs i love getting a brian robinson for cheap as some depth because i think that if he does get that opportunity he can he can do all three he's going to score touchdowns he can catch the ball in the backfield now he's not going to do anything amazing doesn't stand out in any um, one thing by any means but he's the type of guy that i like to build when i you and i both like to do these lighter rb builds on dynasty teams He's the guy I like to, ta- to to target in the third round. I love it, man. And I'll tell you right now, if that guy decided to transfer, he could have been the workhorse, very productive back for about like 85% of programs in Division One. Easily. Easily. He's a good player. All right. 
That's it. That was a solid app, buddy. Davey, we did it. Can you tell the people where to find you? Yeah. I just was looking up again. Just 453 at what? Four five three at two hundred twenty five pounds. People want to say that's a that is a freaking very decent forty yard dash for that size. People want to talk about as a plotter. I know he doesn't have a lot of vertical ability or I mean lateral ability. I just I don't get it. I don't. I know he. I don't get it. I don't get the hate. Uh, but anyway, you can find me at ff underscore spaceman on Twitter. Todd, I had a lot of fun tonight. Uh, this it feels like it feels like we're like the last sh- hurrah before a very big moment for you. Really pumped for you. I hope I cannot wait to to see pictures and to. Ah, I'm so excited for you and your family, man. Uh, this is supposed to tell me where you can find me, so you can also find me on Patreon and at DLF, yada yada yada. But man, more importantly, I had a ton of fun tonight, and this was a great episode. And where can they find you, sir? Well, Dave, you can find me on the draft board this week still too, buddy. So um... <laughs> I want I want pictures. From the delivery room as you're making draft picks. Yes, I'm just gonna hold up like the uh, the queue as the as it's getting closer. It's gonna be great. So um, maybe uh, my son can like hold up a picture of like one like hold up a sign with one of my picks. But um, yeah, man, you can find me at ff underscore banterman over in the Twitter. I'm always down to banter, always down to talk. Feel free to ask me questions. Uh, you got a trade idea? Throw it out at me. I'll talk it out with you. Um, always down to banter some hoops too. Um, anybody who's interested in doing some Devi, uh, basketball or, uh, C2C basketball, hit me up. So with that said, see you later. Question of the day. In the spirit of the greatest tournament in the world, March Madness. Whoop. Oh, hold on, dude. I just hit myself in the face and knocked off my glasses. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know, man. It's crazy. All right. <laughs> I'm definitely clipping that and putting it at the end. Just to let you know. <laughs> That's totally fine. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I like I I give myself a good uppercut, bro. I was excited about this question of the day. Okay. Composure. <laughs>